Hey there, welcome to Pickled Parables. This podcast is presented by Parable Ministries as a Bible teaching resource. Thank you for joining us. Pickled Parables is a podcast about taking in and living out the Bible. Here we will study, contemplate, and testify to the Bible's incredible teachings and how it leads us to live better lives. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. We hope today's message finds you well. Hello, and welcome back to Pickled Parables. This lesson is is a lesson that I prepared um, some time ago, and we were blessed with a number of teachers who stepped up and joined our team this year in 2023, and so it never got released. And so I wanted to uh, put this out before too much time went by, uh, and so I hope you guys enjoy. At the time when I was creating this lesson, I was struck by how pertinent of a topic it was, and um, it was helpful to me in a lot of things that uh, had been going on in my life. And so as I've thought about what I'd like to share, this is, this is what um, the Spirit put on my heart. So um, I'm going to share this with y'all. And to give you some context, I had been preaching through a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And um, this lesson takes place about halfway through that sermon um, that Jesus gave. And it, is, it, it does cover the, a, a difficult topic of mental health and um, specifically related to anxiety. And so to give you some, some context and in, in background, um, as I was trying to map out the, the sermon originally, I think I was trying really hard to separate the ideas of having anxiety from being anxious. And they are different, but instead of trying to like autocorrect and, and make sure that we hold those two in tension the entire time, I decided to just like, and was convicted to just be quiet and let Jesus's words just say what he says. And having tried to do so in this, I, I think it was better off for that. Um, go figure. But this lesson comes from Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be starting in verse 25. But I want to give a, a brief background for you as, as you know we get ready to look there, because this section is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, as I noted, and Jesus has said a lot <laughs> so far. Um, you know, he opens the sermon with the Beatitudes and talking about the blessed ones and the ones who just kind of intuit their need for this kingdom. He moves from there to talk about us needing to be salt and light and saying a lot about how we live. He gives his moral principles of the kingdom, um, describing what citizens of his kingdom should look like, how, how ought they to live. And then he moves in, in Matthew chapter 6 in our Bibles to discuss kind of a more spiritual side of the kingdom, how we should pray, how we should worship. This comes right after a section uh, that is a lot about warning about idolatry and what we make our treasure. Uh, and so we're going to discuss this, and uh, I want to note that our culture does have a mental health crisis namely an anxiety problem. 
And so if you are looking for help or support, um, seek seek the guidance of, a, of wise and licensed counselors if, that is, if that's what you desire and what would help you. Um, and as always, like, you know, seek help. That's, that's why those people exist, and God has given those people the, the training and, and the desire to help others. So what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount and in this section is not simple believism. It's not easy faith solutions to anxiety. Rather, Jesus is explaining that being anxious and the worry of our lives is the natural consequence of having misplaced allegiances. Pursuing the things of mammon, that's what he describes as, as the things of this culture um, and the things of this, this world and, and its economy, and that breaking these patterns um, and habits takes practice. It doesn't just happen. We don't just wake up and, and have these habits broken. So I want to look at Jesus' words In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So when Jesus uh, begins this section by saying, therefore, it's as if what he is going to say is going to be directly tied to what he has just said in the previous section. You can go read that, but it's about storing up our treasures in heaven rather than uh, on earth in places where moths and rust destroy. Verse 25 then carries this feeling of, When God is our treasure and our focus and our master, you don't have to be anxious about your own life or what we're going to eat or drink or wear. And that might sound like simple, easier said than done thing. But the idea is this. When our treasure is in heaven, our focus is on Christ and we are living for God as members of the kingdom The things of this world, which will not last, they're just going to become of secondary concern. And we're going to look at this. And the inverse also holds true. The domain of mammon, this world and the culture, operates best when its members are anxious. When the people living in this culture are anxious, 
the economy of the culture thrives. It causes them to be searching for the remedy in the things of the culture. Jesus' original audience to the sermon was this group of poor and needy and destitute kind of outcasts of society. And they had been following Jesus around and are on this hillside listening to Jesus now because he fed and clothed them. Like, they're the people who the culture has kind of spit out. And, and so this, this group of people, they are likely a group of people who are worrying about their next meal and whether their cloak is going to wear out quicker than they could replace it. This would keep their mind on food and clothes and their actions on getting those things. Like I said, they're following Jesus around this hillside because he has given them those things. But most of our society today are filthy rich in comparison to this. And so why is there then this epidemic of anxiety today? I mean, if we aren't worried about food and clothes, in most cases, I I will grant there are folks in our world who are, but if in 90% of the cases we are not concerned for food or clothes, why is there this problem? Why is there such a widespread anxiety problem? And how do the principles and tenets of mammon and the culture today cause that anxiety? Our culture looks a lot like the domain of mammon. Um, Jesus kind of sets up mammon as this caricature, this think of like the green eyed, smug grinned monster that we, we make as like greed. And that's kind of what mammon was. It was this, it was this caricature of the culture of, of wealth and, and having things. And our culture is constantly trying to sell us things. It says you need new things. You need to make sure you see the newest movies and the next episode of the newest show before someone else can ruin it for you. You have to follow certain people or you'll miss what they are doing. Did you see their story? Don't miss it. You need to have specific types of security and social acceptance. And the more you have... And the more options you have, the more choice you have, and the more control you have over your life. And the culture uses anxiety to sell those ideas. The culture tells us if you want control and you want to have more choices and you want to find some sort of happiness or calm in your life, then here's the number of things that you can fill with that. You get your choice. Take your pick. But Jesus has already said when you are... When you are seeking for those things in idols, remember, that's the context. Matthew 6, 19 through 24 lays out the context as our hearts and our treasures. And he says, therefore, when that idol lets you down, whatever you've made your treasure, when that thing lets you down, you are going to be incredibly insecure. And when you are insecure about the thing you relied on to help you and give you control and bring you comfort and happiness, it's going to create worry. And so Jesus wants to address this worry. And before we continue, I want to make a note about the word worry here. I listened to this preacher up in, up in Portland. I don't even know if he's still a pastor. It was from years ago. But he described the word, the term worry in a different way. Uh, He used it actually in a different one of its senses. It's described worry as like 
as a dog worries a bone. Uh, the dog chews the bone, he tosses it around, he gnaws it, or like if it's my dog, she like drops it and slings it around in her kennel while she's trying to go to sleep, like for goodness sakes. But, but worry does this to us. It chews us and it eats at us and it gnaws at us and it tosses us around. And the culture says, well, you're worried. You need a distraction to get your mind off of the worry. And as a result, Jesus addresses this. How do we break this cycle of anxiousness and worry? Because it's part of being human to experience anxiety and worry. It is. We have those chemicals and God made us with brains that can experience those things. The fall has possibly caused them to become offset. But we're going to find that who we belong to, God or mammon, the culture, informs how we respond to anxiety and worry. And so to give the response of the kingdom, Jesus turns to nature. (laughs) Where the people were seated that day on this hillside, the Sermon on the Mount, they're on the Mount, he turns to God's creation to offer a counterstep to the world's anxieties and insecurities. We read this in verse 26 and 27. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? When was the last time y'all watched the birds? I love owls. I actually had the privilege years ago to go up to a a bird sanctuary type place in Canada and, and hold owls. And they're, they're amazing creatures. <laughs> and I think, personally, I think owls are some of God's coolest creatures. But Jesus says, when you're anxious and you're worried, he says, okay, consider some of these birds out here. And before we get to the good stuff and what Jesus says, I want to note that Jesus was hundreds and hundreds of years ahead of his time. And what I mean by that is, I work with a lot of students and a population of students who often have an anxiety concern, and they've often been given strategies to and tools to help and use when they are anxious. And one of those tools is called the, the countdown, and it is designed for you to use your senses and the things that you can observe and sense to ground you in what is real. Because sometimes with anxiety, our, our brains will wander to the things that are not real, that might be. And so Jesus does this. He says, take a second and think about the birds for a little bit. It's interesting. It's almost like Jesus knows how the brain works. And he reminds them that their heavenly father makes sure the birds have food. And, and with that in mind, he cares for you way more than any of those birds. And so he says, when you are anxious, consider God's ability to care for you and rest secure in the care of your father. Do you see the difference between that and the culture? And as we consider the birds, we're going to find something else. When God provides for the birds, the birds still have to go out and like forage and hunt and be birds. They still have to exist and fulfill the purpose that God created them to fulfill as birds. We still have to be humans. 
We have a purpose. We're made for activities. And if you have worry or anxious, if you have an anxiety problem, I'd challenge you to consider those birds. Focus on God's care for you. Find your purpose in who God says you are and pursue that. Because doing things with a purpose kills worry. Jesus reminds us when we worry about life, it's a cycle. It makes our lives worse and gets us stuck. And so next, he, he motions to the fields nearby. He says, verse 28, Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the, the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Most of us listening to this don't worry about having clothes to put on. But our culture has introduced a, another and different and kind of all around an even more special problem. Is this shirt good enough? Do these pants make me look okay? Do my shoes match my top? And I need to say first here that it's okay to look nice. It's, it's, it's fine to, to do your best to present yourself well. But if looking nice has become such a treasure that it creates anxiety in your life, we've found our problem. Jesus has us consider nature again. This time he says, look at the lilies, the plants of the field. He says, lilies don't get up and get dressed. They just exist and fulfill their purpose as lilies. Yet, God arrays them in splendor as a result of them existing as lilies. But in doing so, God also provides the means by which they fulfill their purpose as flowers. Again, Jesus tells us, God cares for you more than he cares about flowers. God gives us what we need to fulfill our purpose and live out our fullness as God's creations. This doesn't mean that the clothes are going to be magicked onto you. If your treasures are rightly placed, though, placed on God and the lasting things of the kingdom, you may find that you are less concerned with the woes of this world which worry you. Again, Jesus is ahead of his time. Instead of being concerned with whether we have clothing tomorrow or if they look good enough, Jesus challenges us to focus on what matters, what you're able to do now, how you are able to fulfill being who God has made you to be today. It's the idea of being present. And he challenges us to place our faith more in the God who effortlessly cares for the birds and the flowers rather than in the culture which can't even give you enough peace to be the human you're meant to be. And so with this in mind, Jesus goes on to give us practical steps. Verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus reminds us not to worry, and notice what worry our culture tells us. The culture is, is saying, what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? All the focus is on us. The culture says, you are the focus. And Jesus tells them that this is how the Gentiles live. And remember, his audience is primarily Jewish. And Jesus loves the Gentiles. Um, but when he says this, he's referring to Gentile worship. The Gentiles served and sacrificed to a number of, if I'm being honest, pretty fickle gods. These were gods who would feed you and clothe you and give you drink and, and keep you happy as long as you were able to keep them happy. Mammon, our culture, likewise, it says it will bring you comfort and peace and happiness as long as you're able to keep the culture happy, often through monetary compensation. Meanwhile, Jesus says, your heavenly Father knows you need all this. This calls back to two key points earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. First, it recalls a father who loves his people enough to provide rain even when they have done nothing to be pleasing to him. Jesus says, that he brings rain on the just and the unjust in Matthew 5, 44 to 47. It also stands in contrast to the gods of the Gentiles. It recalls the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says God wants you to approach him honestly and openly because God already knows what you need at the beginning of Matthew 6. And so with this in mind, Jesus offers these practices for worry and anxiousness in this world. He says, consider your heavenly father and how he cares for you despite how you act. Sometimes that means thinking about the birds and the flowers. Coupled with this, he instructs us to trust our father to provide what we need to fulfill our purpose. Be thankful. Describe what you're grateful for. Practice gratefulness. These two ideas, considering your, your father and how he cares for you and, and focusing on how he has blessed you, can be summarized as knowing who you are and whose you are. When you know who you are, someone made in the image of God with purpose and dignity, and you know whose you are, that is, who you have decided to follow and serve, remember that's the context, allegiance. It's going to help alleviate worry attached to your identity. Knowing who you are and whose you are. Next, Jesus tells us to seek the kingdom of God. Occupy your mind on the things of God. And with it, he says to seek God's righteousness. Occupy your actions with the things that please God and fulfill your purpose. And these two can be summarized as idle hands and an idle mind are the devil's playground. When we have purpose and we're taking action to pursue that purpose, it creates 
less opportunity for our minds to be taken advantage of. Last here, Jesus offers this. He says, be present. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow is going to worry about itself. So be here now, today, because sufficient for each day is its own trouble. Ain't that the truth? (laughs) It's excellent advice. And in practicing this, we can begin to undo some of the worry the world causes because it's rightly aligning our passions and purposes with the things of the kingdom and the things of God. Before I uh, say goodbye, I want to address that sometimes anxiety feels much greater than just concern about things we cannot control. Sometimes anxiety feels like it's lurking or consuming us. I have had periods of intense anxiety in my life, the worst of which was, a, was in 2016. During that time, there was about a two to three month stretch where I, I slept on average between two and three hours a night. Uh, the worst was a week I went a whole week with about four hours of sleep. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't understand it. I didn't even know what I was worried about. Like, I, I still don't know exactly all of the things that cause it. I, I've tried to, you know, make changes and identify all well, these things could have caused it or could have made it worse. But what I do know is that it was awful. And if you experience this, this is what I want to tell you today. This is what the Spirit's laid on my heart. Jesus' words here in the Sermon on the Mount, they're still for you. And those words are not, come on, kid, get it together and get over it. Those words are, I'm here. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you belong to. Because your father is bigger than this. And somehow your father has a purpose in this as well. You are loved by your father, and he wants you to be able to move past this. He wants you to be who you are. But in the midst of this, here's what we must not do, what we cannot do if we are members of the kingdom. In anxiety, we must not leave God behind, because that is the time that you need him, you need him most. Just because things don't get better right away, or possibly even at all, don't leave God behind. Jesus is our example here. Matthew tells us of another story of Jesus at the end of his gospel in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, 36 says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not be tempted. 
The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus experienced human worry and anxiousness. He was going to die. But notice when he does so, who he appeals to. He appeals to his father, the one who could actually help. I also want you to notice that God did not remove the source of that worry. Jesus would still go on to die. But he brought peace despite the worry. He brought purpose despite the worry. I'm going to leave you with one more example from from the psalmist, Psalm chapter 42. And starting in verse 9, it says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Maybe you feel like the psalmist here. Maybe your worry and anxiety has made it difficult for you to sense God, to understand what God may be doing Jesus says, consider the birds, reflect on the lilies, and cry out to your Father. Hope in God, make Him your treasure, and one day, again, you will praise Him. Notice it says, all these things, my soul is in turmoil, I'm cast down, and then it closes with, hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. Or as Jesus said it, All these are going to be added to you because they will have been provided by your Father. God knows what you need. He knows who you are. He knows whose you are. And only in them is there fulfillment that lasts. And that is a thing worth hoping in. Bye, y'all. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusty Bible. To stay up to date with all things parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. Parable is a volunteer organization, and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.